Good morning, everyone. Welcome to uh, Church in the Valley. Uh, like Jeremy said, we're really glad that you guys are here to, to worship with us today. We thank God uh, for you being here, and we welcome God here as well. We're continuing uh, the message series this morning called The Chance of a Lifetime, and we've been looking at one of the most famous sermons that's been ever delivered, uh, and it was by Jesus himself, and he really wanted the followers of him, his disciples, to know what it actually meant to follow him. What was important, what was not important, uh, what did they need to make a priority, what did they not need to make a priority. And he painted this picture uh, on a sermon called the Sermon on the Mount. And in this sermon, he was basically laying out, this is what it means to follow me. And at the time, nobody quite knew all what Jesus was about. They were still trying to figure it out. They knew that he was a great teacher. They knew that he was somebody who had performed miracles, but they weren't quite sure of, is he the son of God? Some believed and some didn't. And then later uh, he was crucified and he rose again. And the full completion of who he was, was, was made known. And still some people chose to believe in him and, and some people did not But in this sermon, he wanted people to get a bigger picture of Uh, What the kingdom is like, what is the kingdom of God like and what does that mean for a life that chooses to actually follow in that kingdom? What does it mean to follow God as our king? And so in this series, we've been looking at the character that Jesus emphasized. Uh, We've been looking at the importance of placing the kingdom as our number one priority opposed to our to our own. And today we're going to be talking about a subject that at the time of Jesus' sermon, it may have been just strange for him to bring up, but it's the the subject of of money and resources and finances and and what do we do with this whole area of And just like the people of the day, I'm sure uh, they were coming to figure out how can Jesus help me with my problems? How can Jesus help me with the direction of my life? How can I find purpose? How can I just make it for today? And he began talking about money and I'm sure people were like, Come on, I I need something a little bit more tangible. I need something that I can actually base my hope on. But money, I I don't. Why are you talking about money? And the same is true today. Sometimes we hear the idea of money and stress can kind of well up in us because of all that we're trying to figure out of how to make ends meet and budgeting and debt and all the things that are kind of intertwined with our finances. But what you find is as you actually follow after Jesus and you actually try to do life his way. You can't live life without dealing with the issue of money. You can't follow after Jesus and kind of keep this area cut off from him. It doesn't have a box that says no God allowed. It doesn't work in our finances. God is allowed in that area just like he's allowed in every area. And Jesus wanted his followers, his disciples to know that to follow after me means that you're actually going to have to follow Jesus in the area of your finances as well. And so we're going to be digging into that today and looking at some key scriptures and some key statements that he made that really can help us in the area of our finances. And really, as you look at Jesus' teaching, you actually get this picture of the path to freedom that following after him provides. Not the path to stress or not the path to, to bondage or to be a slave to our money, but it's actually a path to freedom. But it goes kind of counterintuitive to what we may think. And what he basically says, and this is kind of the key message of today, is the path to freedom is to invest my resources in what God values, not to spend them on myself. So the key with our finances and all the resources that we've been given is to think, how can I use this and spend this and invest this in a way that represents the values of God himself, not my, not my own? 
How can I make him happy, not me happy? Now, I don't know about you, but when I think about finances, that's usually not the first thing I think about. I think, what can I get? It is. It's what I think about. What can I get? And I run all sorts of scenarios. I look on Amazon, and then I have all sorts of ideas of what I can get. But the upside down nature of what Jesus is talking about is, is actually not what you can get, but, but what can you give? That's the key. How can you spend your resources on what God values? And so it's really a, a perspective issue. It's really, we're going to be talking about the lens that we look through as we deal in this area. And as our perspective changes, then our actions change. And that's the key in the area of our finances. We actually have to look at things differently. And that's what Jesus wanted his disciples to get. He didn't just want to make statements to shock them. He wanted them to actually look at life different after following him. They didn't want them just to live life the same way they've always lived. Then why follow him? If following Jesus doesn't make a difference, why do it? And so he wanted them to get, this is why you do it. This is the difference that it makes. And it really is a perspective issue. Throughout the message, I'm going to share just a few thoughts from different people who have really been challenged by Jesus' teaching in, in their own finances. And we had some people that last year went through Financial Peace University, which really deals with not only practical steps you can take in your finances, but what's the key perspectives that you can hold on to. And I just want to share a couple thoughts from people just to give you an idea of how your perspective can change as you look to Jesus' values, not, not your own. And this is what some, some people said. It says, knowing that Jesus gave up everything for us and knowing that money isn't ours to own has made me realize that God will provide what we need if we are good servants. That's key perspective. Knowing that money isn't ours to own. But thinking through how can God use it. Another person shared, I'm honing in on the fine line between need and want. I'm trusting more and more each day that God will provide for my needs and as I give my daily wants to him, I find that I want less and less. You heard that phrase with money? Focus on what you need, not what you want. In my own life, I have a lot of needs, it seems like, my area of money. And when I come down to it and when I pull it, those needs aren't really needs. They're just things that I, that I really want. And I can convince myself I really need this. Or I really need that. But when it comes down to it, we have to trust God that he's going to actually provide for our basic needs. He's going to take care of us. And so the perspective on money and the perspective that Jesus is talking about following him, it's really an area of trust. To follow after Jesus means that you trust him. And the area of finance is one of those key areas that trust really comes out. Because when it comes down to it, probably finance is one of the most stressful areas of our life. It's one of the ones that we have the most fear in. How are we going to make it? What if I lose my job? What if I can't find a job? What if I can never pay off my school loans? You ever had that thought? And it's fear and fear and fear. And so Jesus says, if, if you want to follow after me, you have to actually trust that I'm going to take care of you. And not only am I going to take care of you, but you're going to be able to experience freedom. And so I want to pick up his sermon where he talks about this directly. And he, said, he shows the way of freedom. The first way he shows the way to freedom in finances is you can be free from the disappointment of investing in things that fade away. You can actually be free 
of the disappointment of investing in things that fade away. Check out what Jesus, Jesus said. He says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And he's saying there's a choice that you have when you have money, when you have finances and all your resources. You're either going to choose to invest it in things that will fade, that can be destroyed here on earth, that will deteriorate, or you can actually focus on treasures that are eternal, that do not fade, that do not deteriorate, that do not melt away. They will last. And he's saying it's your choice. But to follow after me means that you are going to invest in a treasure that's eternal, that the stock market can't crash, that nobody can steal, no moss can destroy. Because if you focus on materialism and always getting the best thing, and always having the best thing, there's really a thing of you're just chasing after something that you're never going to be able to actually grab in your hands because it's always wasting away. You ever gotten something and it's like the new and improved thing? Especially in like technology. You're like, this isn't 4G, this is 7G. It knows my thoughts. Okay? And then you buy it, you spend hundreds of dollars, and then like your phone company comes and says, actually... There's no longer 7G. There's 14G. It knows your friend's thoughts. Right? And that's the kind of disappointment. You, you go after all these new things and you invest all this money and then it's, it's old. Or like a new car. You ever had a new car and the smell and it's just like the best smell ever? And then you get in and you realize one day that the smell is gone. It's just, it, it's gone. Or you have a new car and there's not a scratch on it. And then it's scratched. I have this tendency, like when it's brand new, I'm just like... It's just without a blemish. It's beautiful. And then one day I reversed my brand new truck into a light pole. It wasn't cool anymore. It was dented. I was really bummed out. Part of me was like, I just want to dent the, the other side just to match it. A few months later, I actually did. And then it was like free upgrade. You have a dented bumper on both sides. You didn't have to pay extra for that. That's what happens. If you chase after materialism, it never gives you what you want. Because it's not eternal. It slips away. It fades. So if that's what your hope is in, Jesus is saying, is it's going to be destroyed. You're going to be chasing after something that's no longer there. It's no longer going to matter. It's not actually going to give you what you want. So he draws the line. If you want to actually invest in something that doesn't fade, you have to invest in things that are eternal. The treasure in heaven. And the treasure in heaven is really to invest in people... And God's purposes, that's our choice. We can invest in people and God's purposes or materialism. And to be a Christ follower means you actually have to choose to invest in people and God's purposes, not materialism. It doesn't mean that you're not going to get stuff. It doesn't mean that you're not even going to get new stuff. But it means that's not where your hope is. It's not where you're chasing. It doesn't define you. It's near the means that you need to live. So it's a very different perspective. And so uh, there's a quote that I read this past week that was really helpful on this. And this is kind of tying this idea of finances to just reality of life. And Randy Alcorn said this, There is a powerful relationship between our true spiritual condition and our attitude and action toward money and possessions. 
If you really want to know where you're at in your life, specifically spiritually, you can actually look at how you handle your money and your possessions. There's a direct correlation. The area of finances, again, is not something that's just, you know, we need to kind of think about. But it actually reveals whether we think God is real. Do you know that? How you spend your money, how you give your money, how you hold on to your money, your view of it, the importance of it, actually shows how real God is to you. Because again, it's an area of trust. Do we trust God enough to adopt his perspective and values on our money to actually change what may come natively to me? Which is I want to spend it, spend it, spend it. So it's an area of trust. Is God real? Am I going to invest in people? In helping them grow in a relationship with Christ? Am I going to give to ministries and churches that are doing that? That's the internal investment. You're making an investment in eternity for the lives that are changed. Focusing on God's people and and His purposes. So it's really an issue of disappointment or hope. Not about you, but I want to invest in the things that provide hope and freedom. And he goes on further. He also shows that you can gain freedom from the damage of missing what's most important to God. You can actually find out what is really important to him. This is what he says, continuing. He says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? This is again talking about kind of the perspective you have, the lenses that you look through. Now, I don't wear glasses or and I don't wear contacts, but I do have sunglasses. And my biggest pet peeve is when I have a pair of sunglasses, they fall to the ground and the lens gets scratched. You ever had that happen? And you're looking out and you kind of keep thinking there's something in your eye and you can't see right and it's kind of like it's messing up the picture and it's because the lens is scratched. It doesn't matter what I do, the lens is scratched, everything looks weird. Jesus is using this analogy to say, if your lens is scratched, if your lens is wrong, if your perspective isn't right, everything that you view related to your money, it's not going to make sense. And he's kind of drawing this line. If you want to hold on to your own perspective of materialism and that being your one pursuit of your life, you're not going to be able to invest in people and the kingdom that I'm talking about. You can't do both. So you've got to fix the perspective. You've got to clean the lens. And if the lens is scratched and you're just kind of focused on getting, 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 and chasing after that, it taints all the areas of your life. It adds stress. Because there's no fulfillment there. Because you you never have enough. And your relationships can sour because the stress that's there is you're just chasing after. Just getting more, getting more, getting more. Success, success, success. Power, power, power. And so it trickles down into to each area of our life. And Jesus is saying, listen, I have what you need to fix the lens. But again, it's an issue of trust. Will you trust me enough to take off your view and adopt mine? And that's really the issue he's saying. And he's talking about finances, but he's just he's giving this powerful picture of what following after him means. And he hits home with all of us because of the area of money, because it's dealing really with with our hearts. 
And he goes on and he says another thing about the freedom that his views can bring. And it can actually bring us freedom from the dreadful tension of trying to serve two masters. So he goes on further. Okay, I'm talking about perspective. I'm talking about the idea of eternal versus the here and now. Investing in people and my purposes versus materialism. And he just states it plainly. You're trying to figure out how it's going to work. And he says it, it, it can't. He says no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So they were all thinking it and he just comes out and says, if you're wondering how this is going to work, how you're going to pursue earthly pleasure in here and now and how you're going to pursue God, it it can't work. You have to choose which master you will serve. And that, that word there, serve, is a great picture because it's really this idea of serving money. You ever thought about that? That's kind of what it is. If you're only living to make a buck, it's a master over you. In a way, it can own you. It doesn't mean that we don't work hard and it doesn't mean that we don't make money. But if our only purpose of existence is to make more and more money, we don't own it. It owns us. That's what Jesus is saying. And if we're owned by money, we can't serve him as our master. It, it just doesn't work. And so you, you, you have to choose. So what does this mean practically? Well, I gave a little money quiz. Now, this quiz is not graded. You don't have to turn it in. But here are some questions that can kind of have you think about this idea of the master that you're serving. Okay? Here's some questions. The last time you had an opportunity to give to someone in need, what thoughts came to mind? The last time there was an opportunity to give to someone in need, what thoughts came to mind? In all honesty, sometimes it's like, again? Again? I need to give again? Second question. You just received 300 from a relative unexpectedly. Where is the money most likely to end up? I have some good ones. I mean, I'm sure you do too. But where is it going to end up? Third, think back to the happiest time in your life. What was the condition of your finances during that time? To me, high school, my parents paid for everything. I was so happy. Okay, fourth question. You're invited to a birthday party. What factors help you determine which gift to bring? Do I have anything that still has the tag still on it? little re-gift. I know no one ever does that. Does that ever come to mind? Like, oh, I've got to buy another gift. Oh, why do I have to do that? Or the obligation that comes. And then last... How did you manage your money last year? How many debt payments did you make? Because debt can be a slave as well. It can be something that weighs on us. So is that something that we're trying to get after aggressively or is it just kind of limiting our freedom to invest in other things? So it's just a gauge, kind of what comes to mind. And I, I don't know about you, but a lot of times in this area of money, again and again, I have to ask God for help 
for his perspective. Because it's a battle. I want to hold tightly onto my money. When I grew up, I'm going to just give you, this is like, this is a little dysfunctional. So I'm going to open up to you guys and just share a little bit of where I'm coming from. Okay? Please mute this on the recording. No, just kidding. When I, when I grew up, we, we, were, we didn't have much money. We were a military family and we just tried to make ends meet. And we always got our clothes on the clearance rack and that's how we shopped. Like, I didn't know you get clothes that wasn't on a clearance rack. Like, that's, that was the store. You go to the store, but my store was the clearance rack. Okay, that's, that's how we lived. Well, what happened is, early on, I think I adopted this value that, you know, I don't know when I'm next going to get new stuff. And so I would just hold on to my new stuff, and I'd never want to use it. And I actually got a new pair of shoes when I was, a, I think, a, a senior in high school. Went to college, and I never wore my shoes because I, I just wanted them to stay new. And they were sitting in my closet, and I'd move every year. And those unworn shoes... I would pack up and take to my new place. And those unworn shoes I would take to the next place. Well, I got married. And then, like, you know, stuff comes out when you get married. Like, what are those new shoes? Like, when did you get those? And then it was uh, six years ago. And the tags were still on it. And I was kind of embarrassed. And what I realized was what was most important to me was kind of preserving this, these shoes. And I, I didn't want them to get messed up. And they were, like, dear to me. And then the sad part about the story was... By the time I was ready to wear the shoes, they were no longer in style. And I don't even think they were that comfortable. And I didn't even like them. And I gave away a brand new pair of shoes to Goodwill to somebody that hopefully would wear them as soon as they bought them. That's kind of how it is with money. We have this view and it causes us to do things. And then by the end of it, you realize that there there was no enjoyment there. These were for me to be able to use so I could walk and be comfortable. But because of I just wanted the newness and that was what was really important and to hold on to this, it, I ended up, it, they wasted away. So every time I buy something new, I have to tell myself, you know what, I need to wear this this week. I, I, this is, I'm not making this up. It's still a problem I have. Cut the tag and wear it this week. But I can't, yes you can, Alex, you can do it. But I can't, yes you. So just even the little things, and I know that's kind of humorous, but it just shows a little perspective. What I value. Jesus is saying, okay, to follow me, you, you've got to really deal with all this stuff. The intricacies, the, the priorities, the, the views, all those things, you've got to present them before the Lord and say, you know, God, will you help me in, in this area? Because I know there's a lot of competing things for your attention. And that's what Jesus is saying in this sermon. Again and again, he's saying there's a lot of things that are competing for your attention, and money is definitely one of them. And to follow me means that you're going to trust me, not your bank account, not your checking, not your job. You have to trust me, and I will provide for you. And so really the encouragement is is Jesus wants us to break free from a lifestyle of empty spending to being a generous giver of what God values. How can we move just from spending, spending, spending to actually thinking like, how can I invest in things that last? How can I be a generous person? How can I be someone that doesn't close my hand and clench a fist over my stuff, but how can I release it? 
and allow God to have access from my money to my car to my things? How can things flow through me instead of me hold it up? He wants us to break free from this clenched, stressed life that money can bring to something where we release it and we allow God to determine how he's going to use the stuff that he gives us. Again, that's a perspective issue. He, he owns it all. So I just want to end by just giving some practical things that this could mean. Okay, what, what do I do? What do I do in, in the here and now? Well, as you dig into the scripture, you find to be generous, it actually takes some intentionality. It takes some commitment. And the counsel in the scripture is to predetermine your giving. Decide that you're going to give. Decide that. Make a commitment. And as you make the commitment, you're now saying, this, this is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to move forward. And you're t- going to take an intentional step to do it. A lot of times money can be like emotional. And it can be based on feelings. Like I'm feeling generous, I'm not feeling generous. I'm feeling in need, I'm not feeling in need. I really want that. But do I need it? And it's a lot of times emotion-based. Well, the scriptures kind of point to this idea of you actually have to make commitments because it's out of our commitments we take action and they can become convictions. When we just base our giving and our generosity on how we feel, when we have bad days, the fist is clenched. No one has access. And we all have good days and bad days. And this idea of predetermining your giving is this idea of you make a commitment before God that you're actually going to do this because... He has told us to. In the scriptures, the basis of giving is to give 10% to God. That's called a tithe. To give 10%. And as Jesus was talking to the followers and all the, the people listening, they knew just from based on the Old Testament commands to give 10% to God. And so he wasn't really focused even on the percentage issue. He was really focused on the heart. This idea of you've got to be committed actually being someone that gives. And then from your commitment flows your action. The good news is God meets us wherever we are. And so if you've never given anything, you, you have to start where you are and move to 10%. But even that is trust. Because I don't know about you, there's something about if I have a paycheck and I've already predetermined I'm giving a chunk of it away, there's a chunk missing. There's a chunk that I'm not going to have to spend on some things that could come up. And so there's a lot of fear there again. So this commitment is basically, again, a trust issue. God, I don't know if I'm going to have everything I need to pay all the things that are going to happen this month. Some that I know, some that I don't know. But you've asked me to give, and I'm going to do that to obey you. And Lord, I ask that you'll provide for the things that I know and I don't know. And that's how your relationship with Jesus grows. You begin to trust in him. You begin to realize like, God, if I ask you, you can come through for me. Even in this area of money, which is so scary, you can come through. We asked a couple other people just how God has helped them in this area of, of giving. And this is what one family said. It says, when we look at our bank statement each month, we want to see that we have honored God and given to the things that matter to him. Because he has done so much for us. Practically, this means we regularly and joyfully give to things that help expand God's kingdom. 
When we choose to do this, it brings peace and excitement to see how God will work. That's so true. I, I heard a wise man say, if you want to know what's most important to you, look at your checkbook. Look at your bank account. This person's saying, you know, when we look at our bank account, we want to make sure that what we're giving to, what we're spending our money on, what we're investing in, represents the things that are most important to God. That's, that's, really, that's really powerful. Despite the fear, you can actually see God will come through. Another, another people shared, just based on this, the, Alhambra camps, the Alhambra campus launching, we, we launched this campus a year and a half ago from our, our Diamond Bar campus. And anytime you start something uh, out of nothing, it, it costs a lot of money. And so there was a lot of people that stepped up to give. And there was a, a family that had a side job that was helping pay for a lot of their expenses and the, the side job got taken away. And they were trying to figure out how do we still give and give over and above to help this new campus launch. Uh, and, and this is what they said. When, they, when the Alhambra campus was first starting up, we increased our monthly tithe from 10% to 12% to help defray the cost of that first year. Somehow, we were able to get by each month. I've had that feeling. I don't know how it all works, but it did. So they're saying Some, somehow we were able to get by each month. At the end of the year, rather than drop our tithe back down to 10%, we decided to keep it at 12% and have ever since. Somehow we still managed to get by and are able to continue paying our bills each month. God is truly a generous provider. The reason we share that is, is not for these people. Like, wow, way to go. But it represents the God who comes through. If Jesus is saying the way of my kingdom is to invest in heavenly resources and heavenly treasures in the people and my purposes and people have done that, you can see that God comes through. In my own life, God has come through again and again. So in Scripture, you predetermine your giving, make a commitment, not out of emotion, but, but out of what's right based on what He's told us to do. Second is, Give a percentage that represents the whole. And God didn't give an amount. He did give a percentage to give. And so that's what he's, he's looking at, not a specific dollar amount. That's something that you can grow in over time. There's a story I briefly want to share where Jesus encountered somebody who gave really a, a, all they could. And he explains this to his disciples. And so in the context of this, this story can kind of help. This is in Mark 12. It says, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. So Jesus decides, you know, these, these guys, my disciples, need to know what it means more to follow me. And so I'm going to just, I'm going to walk and I'm going to take them to this place where people are giving. And I'm going to be able to pull some lessons out for them to grasp. So he, he knew. He, he's a teacher. So he wanted to teach them. And he says, many rich people threw in large amounts. But a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a fraction of a penny calling his disciples to him jesus said i tell you the truth this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others now why would jesus say that when all these wealthy people were putting in large amounts and this widow just put in a fraction of what they gave jesus said she 
she has invested more. What it was is in her stage of life and all that she was dealing with, she was putting it all on the line. She didn't have much. Her resources were limited. But she's saying, God has access to all of this. I will give from what I have because he's told me to. That, that's hope for me because it's not based on how much we earn and do and to look good. It's really based on our hearts. Are we willing to give up what we have to further the kingdom of God? And do we trust that God will come through? That's what he's saying. Do you trust that God will come through? And so I want to encourage and challenge you. If you've been trying to figure out what it means to follow Jesus, it's key in this area where you can get this picture of it. It really means that you're going to lay it all on the line. You don't know what that may look like. and You don't know what that means you might have to change. So there's a picture of he's going to have access to every area of your life. And he's going to want you to do things his way. But the good news with Jesus is that he'll show you how to do it. And he'll give you the power to actually get it done. In this area, and our relationships, and how we work, in every area, this is the same. And if you have been following Jesus, and you just kind of, you know that there's this area here where there's, you're stressed, and you're overwhelmed, and you're worried, and you're anxious, and it's kind of this area of just, I don't know how God's going to come through. Just ask Him for help this morning. And if you've given in to fear, just pray against the fear. God, I'm so fearful. What that shows is I'm, I'm trusting in what I see. I'm not trusting in you. Help me with my fear. God, take away the fear. And, and he will. But all of us have to decide, am I going to trust the God who represents his kingdom to take care of me? And I know I speak for many in this room that we have taken those steps to allow God to have access to our money and to our resources and he's come through again and again. And he will for you as well. So I just want to encourage you in that. Uh, there's some next steps on the back of your connection card. And as the band comes up, I just want to walk through those briefly. Uh, these are just some suggestions that you can make uh, this week as you chew on what you've heard, as you've kind of looked at some of those scriptures. If there's one of those next steps you can take, uh, maybe to memorize six, uh, Matthew 6.24. Uh, maybe to, to set a four-month generosity goal. Maybe you just think, you know, I, I really want to focus on being a generous person. And so is there a fund that you could create just for just extra giving for people that may be in need, that may need help? Uh, we have a Christmas offering uh, here at Church in the Valley coming up in December where we give to, to various needs and ministries. Maybe it's just something that in your generosity you can start planning for that. So set, set a four-month goal. How can I Extend my resources to other people. How can I extend my resources to God for, for Him to use? And then the, le- the, the last is uh, start giving a percentage of my income. If you've never made that commitment, I, I encourage you to do that today and, and see how God can come through. And start wherever you are and with the amount of faith you have and just ask God to, to help you make that commitment and, and do it. And just see what happens in the next, in the next month. So those are a few things. Uh, if you have any prayer requests, uh, we would also love to pray for you this week. On the back of the card, there's some lines at the bottom. Please feel free to, to write any in there. And the staff, uh, we pray for those uh, every week. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to continue singing back to God. 
and we're going to be receiving our offering and you can drop those completed connection cards in there. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the commands of Jesus that we can uh, learn from and we can really gain hope in knowing that uh, you, you are present in every area of our life. There's nothing that you don't want to help us with. And so, God, we, we ask that you will help us to have faith enough to know that, that you will come through and that you will provide. And God, show us if there's any area in us that's stingy or, or just controlling or fearful, if there's anything that we're just clenching our fist on related to what you've given us, God, I pray that you'll show us and that we'll release our grip and really allow the freedom that you bring to flow through us. And so we ask for your help in this. In the name of the Lord Jesus, amen.